listening to the Stormcast, a podcast from the Omaha Storm Chasers. Oh, he got him! Oh, he got him! Escobar got him at first! And that ball's way out of here! It's a two-run game-winning homer! Here's your host, Jake Eisenberg. Everyone get on your feet, stir up the storm, we're family! Hello, and welcome to the Stormcast, presented by the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce. We've got a really exciting conversation for you today with newly named Storm Chasers manager Scott Thorman. One of the biggest questions this offseason for the Storm Chasers was who the new skipper of the team would be after Brian Polberg announced his retirement from managing at the end of last season. And Polly's shoes are big ones to fill. Over 1,300 career wins as a minor league manager, a AAA national champion in 2014, a former Omaha Royal himself, an Omaha native and Carter Lake resident. Heck, Poli even has his own concession stand at Warner Park. But as far as managers go, as far as people that could usher in a new era of Storm Chasers baseball go, there's really no better choice than Scott Thorman. He played for Omaha in 2009 and 2010 and now becomes the sixth former Omaha player to manage the team. And he's managed in the Royals organization for a long time, since 2015, including stops in Burlington, Lexington, Wilmington, and Northwest Arkansas. And what's more, he's won a minor league championship in each of the last three seasons with the Legends in 2018, the Blue Rocks in 2019, and the Naturals this past season in 2021. That's a level of success that's unheard of at the minor league level. And he's done it largely with a group of players that have moved up each level with him, which is pretty cool. Now they all come to Omaha together, so maybe we should start figuring out ring sizes for 2022. I guess we'll we'll pump the brakes and, and we'll see. Anyway, Thor's going to be joined in the dugout by some familiar faces. Dane Johnson returns to Warner Park for his second season as pitching coach. And Brian Buchanan, who was teammates with Thor on the Omaha Royals in 2009, returns for his fourth season as Omaha's hitting coach. And they both had great success last year. Last year, the Storm Chasers pitching staff set a franchise record for strikeouts, while the offense tied the franchise single-season record for homers. The other familiar faces in the dugout, athletic trainer James Stone and strength and conditioning coach Yannick Plount. And there are two newcomers to the Omaha coaching staff. Tommy Shields joins the team as the bench coach. He managed the Wilmington Blue Rocks, which is now a Nationals affiliate, last season. And he's been a minor league manager, roving instructor, or a field coordinator for the better part of the last 30 years. And here's a fun connection. In 2014, Tommy Shields was the manager of the Burlington Royals. Scott Thorman was his bench coach. That was Thor's first coaching position in the Royals organization. Now, the roles are reversed. Scott Thorman is the manager here, and Tommy Shields is his bench coach. And finally, Ryan Powers joins the team as the assistant hitting coach. He was a video intern with the High A Central champion Quad Cities River Bandits last season. He comes to Omaha from Wheatland, Iowa. It's a group that hopes to continue the success the Royals have had at the minor league level over the last several seasons, something that Thor has been a major part of. We talked about managing those championship teams. We talked about his memories of playing in Omaha and his memories of playing in the final season at Rosenblatt Stadium. We talked about his baseball background and growing up in Canada and his career, the relationships he has within the game in the Braves organization and now in the Royals organization, and and so much more. So let's get to know our new skipper. This is the Stormcast, presented by the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce. And our guest is Storm Chasers manager Scott Thorman. Glad to welcome the new manager of the Omaha Storm Chasers to the Stormcast. Scott Thorman joins us. Scott, how you doing? How's the off season going? Thanks for the time. Thanks for having me, Jake. Uh, everything's going well. 
uh, getting ready for the season and looking forward to spring training, which is right around the corner. So I guess we'll just we'll start with this. You get named the manager of the Omaha Storm Chasers, and you return to Omaha where you were a player in 2009 and 2010. When you got that news from the Royals that you were going to be the manager here in Omaha, what was that moment like? I was very excited. Uh, Polly was going to retire. It was something uh, our families had our eye on. My wife and I have very fond memories of playing in Omaha back in 2009 and 2010, like you mentioned. Uh, I will look a little different, obviously, the last two years of Rosenblatt, but um, we have some pretty good family memories in Omaha as a family. I had my oldest son there who was turned two the second summer, and and my middle son was born uh, later on that, that fall of 2010, so pretty exciting to get those little guys back there and remember some old times have you been back to omaha since you played here i have not nope so so the the boys haven't seen omaha as i guess human beings that can remember things right not really no i have a a funny picture that i'm hoping to recreate this summer with my oldest son robbie who is now 14 he'll be 15 in march but uh it's a picture of us fishing so I'm at the side of a, a small lake with a, a little bluegill with him, and he's just a little guy. So hopefully uh, on my bucket list this summer to recreate that memory. Well, you can also you can take them over to where the Rosenblatt Stadium Memorial is that they kind of built in the parking lot of the of the Omaha Zoo and maybe take a picture there and compare it maybe to a picture when in your playing days in 2009 and 2010, a little then versus now? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. The, uh, my, my wife has very fun, my wife Kelly has very fond memories of Omaha. Outside of, I guess, you know, life memories and spending time with your wife, what are some of your favorite memories as a player at Rosenblatt Stadium? I just I think it was the guys. You know, it, it always comes back to the your teammates and the fun that's had in the grind, in the moment. We had a lot of, um, we had a really good team the second year. We had a really good record and we narrowly missed the playoffs, and it was something we all wanted to do for Jersh. You know, everybody really, Jersh was our manager back then, and everybody really respected him. And Doug Henry, um, Tommy Gregg was the hitting coach. And, you know, it's just, it just fun. We, Rosenblatt was, we, we all knew it was in its last years, so we were just enjoying, enjoying our time together in AAA and a tough travel PCL league at the time. A lot of early, early morning flights. Uh, a lot of that has been has kind of gone away now with the player-friendly schedule with the Mondays off and, for the most part, six-game series. So uh, I, I do remember a lot of long, long flights and early flights, and uh, I just remember the guys. It was a lot of fun. Did you notice a difference in, I guess, the emotions of the fans between 2009, your first season in Omaha, and then 2010, Rosenblatt's final season? Yeah, it was, it was kind of bittersweet. It was, it was bittersweet with Rosenblatt closing. Um, such an iconic stadium with such a storied history. And it's also exciting to have a, a brand-new park being built. So when we used to share the stadium with the college teams, there was a, a re- I think it was the longest road trip in minor league baseball. It was about a three-week <laughs> road trip. So I, re- I do remember going on that road trip twice, and, and uh, that was a long one. How do you, how do you way, pack for a road trip like that? You figure out a way to get laundry done on the road. <laughs> now the the one in the one you, in twenty ten. Sneak some shirts in, sneak some shirts into the clubhouse and get them on your loop every once in a while. 
the the road trip in 2010 the the college world series came to town and university of south carolina won it all whit merrifield had the the walk-off hit and i know that you didn't play the university of south carolina but you almost did because you had a scholarship offer there was there any sort of allegiance when you knew that the gamecocks had won it all yeah for sure it was the team i always followed uh signing a letter of intent there obviously i chose to sign with the braves instead but uh yeah i've always had a, a soft spot for carolina and uh, it was a pretty cool, pretty cool moment for sure. They had just come off winning a couple back-to-back World Series championships in the late early thousands as well. So they were a pretty good program for a long, long time. So I always kept up with them and saw what they were doing. But that that road trip was a lot of fun. I remember, uh, I remember when they gave us our meal money for three weeks. It was like the most money anybody had ever seen in the minor league. What memories do you have about being teammates with Brian Buchanan, who's now the hitting coach in the dugout next to you, and Mitch Meyer, who's now in charge of player development stuff, and, and Alex Gordon, who was there you know, learning how to be an outfielder for the first time? Yeah, it's a lot of great memories with those guys. Buck was a leader on that team when I got there in 09. I joined the team midseason in 09, and Buck was there. He's a, a team leader, big, strong guy. He can hit, hit it a mile. Great teammate. Great teammate and a really good player. We had lots of fun together. Gordo had a couple came down to rehab, and I remember it was a huge deal when Alex Gordon came down to rehab, and uh, they were taking the banners off in the outfield because they were expecting a sellout crowd. I mean, I I don't know how many people were there, but it must have been close to twenty five thousand. It was it was pretty cool. And I think he hit a home run like six miles out of the stadium as well. So he performed just like he always did. What do you remember about hitting for the cycle in 2010? Uh, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that one. Game, and we had fa- we were facing. It was a young pitcher, I think, that they got called up to make a spot start. I don't think he had as much experience as some of the other guys we were used to facing. So you never know what you're going to get on a day like that, where the the kid might not get out of the first inning, or he might he might go nine innings, one hit. Who knows? So this kid had really good stuff. I remember. And I remember the first swing I took of the day, I felt like I was underwater. And it just, I just, I swung through the first two pitches, first two fastballs, and I, I prided myself as a fastball hitter. And I swung through those two fastballs, and I thought, holy cow, like I'm in for a day today. But I cheat 0-2 just to try and foul something off and get the head out. And I'm late and hit a ball down the left field line, kind of pop up into the wind, kind of hit it just perfect. And it sails out. I've got a home run, and I feel terrible. Like, my swing couldn't have felt worse. So I'm running around the bases feeling pretty lucky that I got a hit under my belt and was well a home run. Next at bat, I thought, wow, this, you know, I better get ready again. So it was one of those dumb luck situations. I don't remember the sequence. I know the single was last. I don't know if the triple was second and it was a uh, – kind of a misplayed soft line drive that turned into a triple and then the double and then uh, they brought in a, like a three-quarter sidearm lefty my last at bat I needed a single and I remember thinking oh geez left on left lefty specialist and he just kind of thrown from behind me and I found myself on a ground ball to the right side that first baseman went for and it, and it was the true definition of ground ball with eyes it darted left of his glove Somehow got by him. The second baseman came over. He dove for it, and then it darted right. It was like I hit a Z round ball. Like it just dodged left and then right. 
and somehow miraculously made it into the outfield. So I remember it being a pretty cool day. Do you have any mementos from that day, like one of the one of the baseballs, the the single that you hit, or anything like that? I think I probably have a ball from the last hit. But what I do have is I have a, a couple commemorative Rosenblatt balls, or the last game ever. They had, had a I don't know three or four dozen balls made up, and they had the players sign them, some team balls that they were going to give away to sponsors and front office members, and I'm sure museums somewhere. <laughs> and I brought my son, who was not quite two at the time, to the field with me early. And what he usually sees is dad comes in and there's a couple balls on the table and the players all just pick them up and start signing. So we got there really early that day because it was the last day of the year and just trying to give mom a break so you know we could get our lives packed up, ready to go home. So I had him at the field with me and I was in my locker changing, getting ready for the day. And I look over and he's got a pen in his hand and he's standing over at the autograph table and he's scribbling his one and a half year old signature on all the balls. So I think he ruined about a dozen and a half of those balls before they could even give them out. <laughs> so you're saying that there's that there's probably six or seven baseballs out there that are signed by the final team at Rosenblatt Stadium that includes Robbie's one and a half year old signature? There there may be some, but those ones also probably ended up in my bag. <laughs> well, now that you're, you know, back as the Omaha Storm Chasers manager, those those could be worth a lot more, Scott. Maybe I'll have to dig them out. I want to go back to the start of, I guess, your your baseball career when you were drafted out of high school in Canada, and you went to a high school. Correct me if I'm wrong. That didn't have a high school baseball team. So, what was it like playing baseball at the amateur level in Canada and getting noticed by colleges and by major league teams and then ultimately going through the draft process? Well, that wasn't very common, and it's still really not that common here to have high school baseball teams. Most of the uh, elite baseball happens at the club level, and that starts the same ages as it does anywhere in the U.S. I mean, travel ball teams are starting at 7, 8, 9 years old now, 12 obviously, uh, there are little league programs here, and there's other other leagues as well uh, where they play more traditional baseball rules with stealing and uh, the same same as major league rules. Um, so I played on all the local teams, club ball travel teams when I was young. I played hockey and baseball like most kids, and then it got to a point at about 13 where Hockey really starts to get intense at a young age where they want a full-year commitment. Um, baseball, similar. So it, it can be challenging, which I don't agree with because I think kids should play as many multiple sports, as, as many sports as they can. But uh, I ended up choosing baseball, and then I played other sports in high school that were part of the high school program. But I, I joined some travel ball teams in my hometown and then, about 14, I started to get picked up on some other teams more uh, regionally and then provincially. And then I was fortunate enough to catch on with the junior national team at 16. And they had a very impressive program run by Greg Hamilton where we would go to Florida every year and play extended teams. We would have a spring training in April. And we would go down to Orlando at, Dis at Disney World, Wide World of Sports, and we would play a schedule of about eight or nine games, and we would play extended team, extended spring training teams. So 
at a very young age, I was exposed to pro pitching and hitting with a wood bat. When you were younger and you had to make that decision between baseball and hockey, why ultimately was the choice baseball? Um, my mom liked me better playing baseball. She thought I was too angry playing hockey. <laughs> um, and baseball was more fun for me at the time. I, I had more fun playing baseball. I really enjoyed it. You know, like a lot of young players, I pitched and I hit, which was very common. So I, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. We were very fortunate to be introduced to a lot of uh, people that looked out for us along the way and made sure that I was in the program I that was best for me. And, um, you know, my mom never missed a game. Until I signed in pro ball, she never missed a game. So when you were growing up in Cambridge, which is pretty close to Toronto, I'm guessing you grew up a Blue Jays fan, and that was right around, you know, 1993 and Joe Carter and, you know, that, that Blue Jays team with Ricky Henderson and John Allroot. I mean, which, which one of those guys was your idol growing up? Yeah, 92 and 93 were back-to-back World Series for the Blue Jays, which was Right in my wheelhouse as a young boy, and um, definitely on my radar. And I was a huge Blue Jays fan as a kid, and um, all those teams, all those names you mentioned. Um, and what what, was, what has been cool staying in professional baseball over the years is coming full circle and, and seeing some of those players later on in their careers and approaching them and telling them how much I appreciated watching them play as a kid. It's uh, pretty pretty cool. Uh, full circle so you get to pro ball in the atlanta braves organization first round pick in 2000 uh i'm gonna date you a little bit because you were drafted a week before bobby wood jr was born <laughs> and then you start your pro career in the brave system and you work your way up through the minor leagues and ultimately make your big league debut in 2006 what was that day like well it was very cool it was uh, a day before father's day very special for my, I think it might have been Father's Day, which was very special for my family, losing my dad at a young age. So my mom and my sisters were able to come down to Atlanta, and it was just, you know, everything you'd hoped it would be as a, as a young boy. We played the Red Sox. We were on the ESPN Game of the Week against Kurt Schilling. Just, it was just everything I could have hoped for. The only difference was I was playing left field, which I hadn't played a lot of ever. I think I'd had three games in the minor leagues in the outfield before I got called up to play the outfield. So that was interesting. When you first started your your pro career, I know you moved to first base a couple of years in. Were you third base, outfield, kind of moving all around? Were they trying to figure out where you fit best? Well, I was a bat. (laughs) I was a bat side. I played third base when it was apparent that I wasn't going to work and they had a, a young Dominican player named Andy Marte, who was very good at third. They gave me a first baseman's glove and said, here, try the other side of the diamond. And that was <laughs> that was the way it went for a long time after that. Um, and then I got my opportunity to break in as an outfielder. Later in my career, I learned how to play the outfield a little bit, which helped my career. Um, just another option to get me in the lineup, and I'm thankful for that opportunity because when I came to Omaha, they had some bunch of injuries. I actually found myself as a free agent. I was home. I had got released out of spring training. I got signed by the 
I was with the Brewers. I got signed by the Rangers, went to AAA for like a week or two, and then I found myself home again. And then when I got to Omaha, they had an opportunity in the outfield. So that outfield experience really helped. And, you know, I took off with that opportunity and very thankful for the Royals for giving it to me. So I think that being versatile was the one thing that really helped. Obviously, the bat was there in the middle, but the outfield position really helped my career. Yeah, and maybe coming up in the Braves organization, there was a guy playing third base that probably wasn't going anywhere named Chipper Jones. Yeah, I think he's in some Hall of Fame somewhere. Yeah, some, I heard something like that. Uh, being being teammates with him and being around him, you know, and also guys like Andrew Jones and Brian McCann, uh, you know, what did you learn from those guys, you know, in your, in your first couple of years in the big leagues? Well, there's John Smoltz, too. Um, there's a whole bunch of guys that, you know, a couple guys ended up being in the Hall of Fame so far. And just the professionalism, just the way they went about their business. Um, even keeled, uh, took it all in stride, insanely talented. I mean, let's not mistake how good these big league players are. They are insanely gifted and talented. And um, just being able to watch them on a daily basis was just so impressive and pick up some things and, you know, that's one of the things we try to do when we're teaching the young players now is just try to teach them how to be professional and how to embrace the, the daily grind of professional baseball and preparing them to get to the big leagues. When your playing career came to a close, how did you know that coaching was going to be the next chapter and how did your first opportunity with the Royals in Burlington come to be? Well, I didn't really plan on being a coach, if I'm honest. I didn't, at the end of my career... I, you know, I thought I, I would play as long as I could. My body felt good. I wanted to keep playing. Um, when I was done and I could no longer get a job, I went back to school. I promised my mom when I signed. I signed out of high school, and I promised her that I would get my degree eventually. And I went back to school, and at the time I had, I was married and had three small children. So being almost 30 years old with, three small kids and trying to go to school and transition out of playing was a little bit tough. So I was uh, always interested in real estate investing. And a friend of mine took me under his wing and I I actually got my real estate license and sold real estate for a year while I was in school. And uh, I didn't particularly love that after playing baseball because playing baseball was the greatest job I ever had. And, um, JJ Piccolo called me and asked me if I wanted to come to Arizona and do a, a scout school with a side of coaching. And this was in, uh, I think August of 2013. And at the time I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I had done a scout school with a different team and I, I wasn't sure that was the way I wanted to go. So I told JJ, I wasn't sure. So he actually spoke to my wife, Kelly. And the next day I was on a plane on my way to Arizona. <laughs> so they they obviously ran the, the this scout school a lot differently. Uh, there was there was a I think there was about fifteen or eighteen guys there, and a whole JJ ran the program, which was very cool. And they had the who's who of the organization at the time in and out that week to come speak to us. And uh, in the mornings we would do the scout school portion. In the afternoons I would change. I would go downstairs and be in uniform and I would be on the field with the AGL team with that staff. And the 
the staff down there took me under their wing and really helped me out, and I appreciated the opportunity. And that week turned itself into a job opportunity to, to start coaching to see if that's what I wanted to do. So I went back to Instructional League in 2013, and that's the next year opened up my first year as a official coach 2014 i was the first base coach for tommy shields in Burlington. yeah we'll get to your relationship with tommy in a second but first there's there's a lot of neat overlaps and ties between the royals organization and the braves organization and when you got called up to the big leagues for the first time in 06 that was the first year that dayton moore was the general manager in kansas city and he had just hired jj piccolo away from the atlanta braves and brought him to kc too so you've been around dayton and jj for a very long time and now roy clark has just joined the royals organization too coming over from the braves where he was for a long time what's your relationship like with dayton jj roy and you know a lot of the other members of the Royal staff that also have those Braves ties? Well, Dayton signed me as an 18-year-old high school player, uh, drafted and signed me. He was the director of international scouting at the time, and me being from Canada, put me in his crosshairs. So I have a long Dayton. He sat on my couch with me and my mom, 18 years old in high school, and he came for a visit, a pre-draft visit, and then obviously when they drafted me, he was the one that called me to tell me. So you know, I'm very grateful to Dayton for giving me an opportunity in professional baseball. He's given me a job three times. He, he then re-signed me back when I got to Omaha in 9 and 10, and as well when I when I came back to coaching. And J.J. was instrumental in that. Dayton left for Kansas City, like you mentioned, in 06, and I was in AAA in Richmond, which we share familiar ground there. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't changed, Scott. Not one bit. I played I played parts of three years in Richmond, so I was very well versed in Richmond as well. But um, he left for Kansas City. He actually called me just to say, you know, keep going and you're doing well, and you know I'm probably going to miss your opportunity for your big league call up. But obviously Dayton was so well respected by all the guys, we all knew that he would he would do great things in the game and seeing what he's done here in Kansas City. So. Come full circle years later, we got a chance to meet back up, and he get, got an opportunity to get me to AAA in, in Omaha and be with the Royals, and I had a blast. I had a blast playing with the Royals. The only problem was this kid behind me named Clint Robinson, who had just hit for the uh, Triple Crown in AA, was coming, so I had to go. Then <laughs> Clint was a pretty good-looking young prospect. Yeah, now we, we see Clint around Warner Park, at least we did last season a few times uh, with him working as a scout. So maybe we'll see him again in, in 2022 up here. A few years as well. He's been following our teams pretty hard. So you go up through the Braves organization, and, and Dayton watches that progression. And now, you know, he's got a front row seat to watch your progression as a coach and a manager through the Royals organization as a bench coach in 2014 with Tommy Shields, now your bench coach in Omaha as the manager in Burlington, and then you make your way up through Lexington and Wilmington and Northwest Arkansas, and we'll get to that in a second. But starting in 2014 with Burlington, your first experience as a full season or I guess short season minor league coach and Tommy Shields is the manager there. What did you learn from him? And now is it weird having those roles reversed in Omaha? So Tommy was my coach, actually, in 2006, the year I made my debut in Atlanta. Tommy was a co-field coordinator for the Braves. So I was in Richmond. Things were going well, playing first base, going really well at the plate. 
Tommy Shields comes to town and he says, we have early work tomorrow in left field. So next day I'm there early. Me and Tommy are out in the outfield and he's got the machine out there and he's, <laughs> I'm running circles and trying to catch fly balls and line drives and everything under the sun. So a couple of days later I get called up. So I had had a history with Tommy when I started coaching. He took me under his wing. He taught me a lot. Very patient. A, a young group of uh, very young players in that level in the Appalachian League. Tommy was a great manager to kind of lead me into coaching and pro ball. Just, you know, I had a lot of experience playing, but it's not quite the same. That was a league I had actually never played in as a player. So that was, it was all new to me. But Tommy was very patient with me and the players. And, you know, he, he and he gave me some freedom to, to be a coach. And I think that's a, a big thing is, allowing coaches to do their jobs and excel at what they're good at. So Tommy was everything I needed to start my coaching career, and I'm very appreciative of what he taught me along the way. And I'm sure appreciative that he's going to be next year in the dugout here too. Yeah, when this worked out, when this all came together, we had an opportunity to get Tommy, and he was obviously the right guy. He's a a guy that we all have history with, we trust. He's an excellent baseball man, a good family man, and he's, he's going to be really, really good for our players this summer. And they're players that, in all likelihood, you're very, very familiar with. And, I mean, your your route as a manager through minor league baseball is, is a little uncommon because you've moved up levels with a similar group of players over the last several years, 2017 uh, and 2018 in Lexington, 2019 in Wilmington, 2021 with Northwest Arkansas, so single A to high A to double A. What's that progression been like for you as a manager and also being with a similar group of players each time and watching them grow? Yeah, it's been pretty fun. It's, it's, it's like watching my kids grow up in a lot of ways. You know, we all started young, um, watching these guys develop and guys from literally all over the world, from all walks of life. It's it's pretty cool to see these these young guys kind of enter the system, um, have some success, have some struggles, uh, learn a lot of things along the way, and now to to watch them grow into young men, uh, family men. Now now their lives are changing as well off the field. They're going from girlfriends to fiancés, the wives, the dads, and it's it's pretty neat to see the progression. And I, I feel very fortunate to be a part of it. And it seems like, Scott, you're also running out of fingers to put rings on because you got one from Lexington in 2018, from Wilmington in 2019, and you got one with the Naturals last year. So, I mean, are you starting to measure like a pointer finger or a pinky for for the one from last year or the next one? What's going on? We just let the players figure it out. (laughs) uh, They come to play, and it's been a heck of a lot of fun to watch from the side. But it is largely a very similar group that's progressed those last several years that have won these championships now at each level. So what makes this group as special as it is? Well, I think first and foremost, they're, they're hungry, talented, passionate players. I mean, they come to play, they come to work. We, we don't talk about winning a whole lot. We talk about their effort and their concentration and their attitude and their preparation. Um, and, and, the results take care of themselves. You know, these a lot of these young men have come into pro ball and they've had immediate success. Some of them have had some struggles. 
and then some of them have been on top of the world with success. So there's there's all kinds of lessons mixed in there along the way, and you know this core group they just have that hunger and that that fight every day. When even when it can seem monotonous and the dog days and the grind of the minor leagues, and sometimes there's some poor travel mixed in there or bad weather or rough patches and, and, and these guys they just continue to pull for each other but they they play with passion and they they're competitors. They're the kind of guys you want to get behind and root for. What are you most looking forward to about being the manager of the Omaha Storm Chasers? I don't know. I, that's a that's a good question. I I do enjoy the the stadiums travel and the cities getting better as the levels get higher. I do appreciate that. Um, I'm looking forward to just getting back to Omaha. I, I really have fond memories there with my wife, Kelly, and Robbie and, as a baby. And We used to spend a lot of times at the Bass Pro Shops and the Cabela's trying to let mom sleep when the babies were little. And uh, we're just looking forward to, to getting back to the city. When you do get back here and opening day does come around on the field, what are you most excited about? Yeah, AAA is such a fun level. I, I really enjoyed my time there as a player over the different leagues. Obviously, the leagues have changed a little bit again since then, since the IL and the PCL. But I think just the the level, um, you know, the opportunity to give guys possibly their first big league call up to watch some of these young players that we've had and have relationships with as, as people to, to start to realize their dreams and, you know, get that first call up and help, help the big league club, help the big league club win another world series championship and, you know, win some games along the way and, and, and have some fun. I think that in the day to day grind of professional baseball, it's important to focus on the fun of it. I mean, we get to play baseball. These young men get to play baseball every day and not to lose sight of how special that is. Now, I, I heard uh, from a friend of mine, Corey Nido, who was the broadcast for Wilmington in 2019, that you've still got some pop and that every now and again you take some swings and you, you got one out at BB&T Ballpark in Winston-Salem and down at Segra Stadium in Fayetteville. Are we going to see you take any hacks here and you think you can hit one out at Warner Park? I gotta wait for the wind to blow out. I gotta pick my spot. <laughs> well, I can tell you that the, the wind the wind blows here pretty pretty frequently, as as you know from the time that you played here uh, at Rosenblatt Stadium. But it gets windy at Warner Park too, especially out to left. Uh, won't help you as much out to right, but you can talk to a couple of the lefty sluggers that have been here, and they'll tell you that aiming for that right field berm is is pretty fun. Yeah, it looked like it from what I saw from the guys we sent up last year. Holy cow! Yeah, 231 home runs as a team, uh, uh, tying the franchise record. Uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty special season, and you know, 2022 figures to be just as exciting with a similar group of players and some guys that you were with at the AA level making their way to AAA for the first time. And obviously, you make your way to the AAA level for the first time as a manager, and you have the distinction of being a former Omaha player too. So you're the sixth manager in franchise history to be a former player including each of the previous two, Mike Gershley and Brian Polberg. Have you talked to them at all about managing in Omaha, and have they given you any advice? So I talked to Paul yesterday, actually. I gave him a call and just try to get the lay of the land again and work off the rust since I was there. But 
yeah, I talk to those guys all the time. I, I enjoy seeing Jersh as a manager now, as a coach, as a as a peer, because I used to give him a little bit of a hard time when I was a player there. I think so. He, he's enjoying watching me deal with the same things I used to do to him. So, uh, both great guys, terrific men, baseball men, family men, uh, helped me a lot along the way. They're always there to answer any questions I have, which are there's a lot of them. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool for to see how things come full circle. Well, Scott, we're we're really excited to have you here in Omaha, and now we're less than 100 days away from opening day and hopefully spring training right around the corner, and really appreciate you taking the time and joining us on the Stormcast, and we'll see you soon. Thank you, Jake. Looking forward to it. Many thanks again to Thor for joining us on the Stormcast, presented by the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce. Very cool that he's the sixth former player to become the team's manager. And let's be clear, that's a rare, rare thing in minor league baseball. There's a lot of turnover between minor league teams and affiliates. They don't always remain aligned with the same organizations. And there's a lot of movement in minor league coaching staffs, too. So for a former player of a franchise to then become that team's manager, that means that there's a lot of continuity, and that's one thing that Omaha's had throughout its franchise's history since 1969 all the way now to 2022. It's the longest consecutive partnership between any AAA team and a major league organization in minor league baseball. It's a rare thing, and it's really cool that Thor not only is the sixth former player to be Omaha's manager, but the third in a row, joining Mike Jershley and Brian Polberg. The other three, by the way, former players that became Omaha managers, John Wathen, Jeff Cox, and Ron Johnson. Now, I'm excited to see him recreate some of the pictures that he talked about that with his kids over at the Rosenblatt Stadium landmark and you know maybe ones that will do with Brian Buchanan or, or some other people. And I think one of my favorite parts about the conversation was hearing him talk about his relationships with Dayton Moore and J.J. Piccolo going back to his days with the Atlanta Braves and specifically with Dayton Moore going back to having Dayton sitting on his couch in Canada getting ready to sign him to his first professional contract and draft him in 2000. And like, like Thor said, Dayton's given him an opportunity three times. First as a high school kid when he was getting ready to be drafted and then later on when he came to the Royals organization as a player and played for Omaha in 2009 and 2010. And then a few years later when Scott Thorne began his coaching career with the Royals organization and the Burlington Royals. And obviously now he's climbing the ladder as a manager within the Royals organization. Relationships in baseball are special, and that's that's a really cool connection. That'll do it for this episode of the Stormcast, presented by the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce. Thanks so much for tuning in. A reminder, you can listen to any episodes you might have missed in our archive, or even revisit some of your favorite highlights from the 2021 season. We're getting pretty close to the 2022 season now, now under three months away, less than 100 days away. Season ticket packages are available now. Chasers Blue Book, Chasers Gold Book. You can go to omahastormchasers.com and check out all those options. I'll give you a little teaser here, too. We're going to have some really cool news to share with you within the next couple of weeks. So make sure you're subscribed to the Stormcast on your platform of choice, Apple, Spotify, wherever. Make sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook to get all the latest information. Promise you, this is, this is some cool stuff that you're going to be excited to hear about. So that'll do it for us on this episode of the Stormcast, presented by the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce. For everybody with the Omaha Storm Chasers, I'm Jake Eisenberg saying so long. You've been listening to the Stormcast. Everyone get on your feet, stir up the storm, we're family.